Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. I talked with your pastor yesterday, or our pastor, I should say. We've been rather busy. Uh, Brother Kevin was so nice in his introduction, I told him he wanted to know something about me. I said, I'll just say he's here. That'll do it. I'll cover it. I know that if you're like me, we didn't ask for this stuff that we got going on in our society today. We didn't ask for this pandemic. But I like to read signs around churches. Have you seen these? It says, wash your hands and say your prayers, because Jesus and germs are everywhere. <laughs> Another one says, can we reinstall 2020? Install it again. This version has a virus. <laughs> but my favorite of all, this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. <laughs> I kind of like those. I don't know about you. You know, when I retired, I've retired twice, folks. I retired from Providence Baptist Church after nine years, and that's several years ago. And then I retired uh, three or four years ago from Trinity Baptist Church over in Mooresville, the church that we started. And God so richly blessed it. And since then, God has been good. We've been various churches. I've enjoyed meeting the people and being in different places. But before we, re right after we retired and before we came to Pitt, Carol and I, and this is no story, we visited six churches. And those six churches on Sunday morning, we never heard a sermon, not a message from God's Word. We heard all kind of reports. We even went to vacation Bible school one Sunday morning, had all those kinds of things. We even were introduced to the staff of the church from the senior pastor down to the janitor, but we never heard a word. We came to Pitts, and here's the reasons we came. We prayed first. We came several times. God's preaching. Jonathan's music. And on top of that, we came to visit us. Out of those six churches, this is the only church that sent a visitor our way. And he came unannounced. I kind of like that. I'm old-timey, by the way. <laughs> this stuff of calling ahead scares me. I just like to go knock on a door and go in and say, hey, I'm here. That was Jonathan. And I think what capped it all, and I don't know how many of you realize this, but you've got a great Sunday school teacher here. I think we call it community now. But Scott Patterson, or excuse me, Steve Patterson, Dave's class just was a blessing to me to hear the word of God taught from a university professor, too. I like that. I really did, because a bunch of them don't teach the word anymore. So this morning, with all of that said, I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me please to Psalm 33, verse 12, Proverbs 14, verse 34. You'll find in Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is reproach to many people. Over in the Psalms, you'll find blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. You know, without question, people today are bewildered, they're beleaguered, families are worn out, families are fed up with what is taking place in our world. We have a political upheaval, we have economic uncertainty, we have the natural pandemic that is taking place called COVID-19. We have all of this stuff that is happening and, and we look around and we see bad news every which way we turn. Situation seems to be bleak. But from a spiritual perspective, we're looking at secularism and we're looking at all kinds of isms that are trying to take over in our society. Rampant sin and perversion is being celebrated like never before. The anti-Christian movement is strong, stronger than we really realize, and it continues to gain traction. And there are new scandals about every time you turn on your TV or you're listening to your radio or you pick up your paper. There's some kind of a new scandal that is exploding within the church. Now, these trends are taking place all around us. And I've been asked, and maybe you've even asked the question yourself, well, preacher, is this the end times? Is the Lord about ready to come back? I don't know, but God knows. It's in his hands, and anyone that comes along and tells you that certain, certain date Jesus is coming, mark them down, they don't know. Only God knows that. And I believe today that God is sending out a wake-up call to his church and to America. I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet. I'm just a, a preacher. And the message from my heart to your heart this morning is this. It's concerning the events of the times in which we're living. I was born in 1937, so you can figure out how old I am from that. I'm not as old as I look, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I remember back when, and you do too, many of you in this room, you know what I'm Some of your younger generation doesn't know this, but all the cars when I was growing up were black in color. You could buy a Plymouth Ford or a Chevrolet, and basically that was it. Gasoline, 19 cents a gallon. Loaf bread, nine, cent, nine cents a loaf. Pregnancy out of wedlock was scandalous. Homosexuality, why, that was immoral. Drugs were bought at a drugstore. Pot was something that you cooked in or used for other purposes. Marriage vows were sacred. Same-sex marriage wasn't even thought about. Child abuse was almost unheard of. Curse words were not used in mixed company. And folks dressed modestly all the time. I know times have changed. I know that the times are changing all the time, but I'm afraid not for the better. Why? We've ignored God. We have rebelled against his holy word. We've refused his offer of salvation, and we have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. We're kind of like the fellow who sets his clock, you know, to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and he's so sleepy when the clock begins to ring, he rolls over and he hits it, and then he turns over and goes back to sleep. That's where we are today. God's timepiece is sounding the alarm, and we're hitting the snooze button. 
You know, several weeks ago, out of the Midwest, there was devastating hurricane force wind in the Midwest that absolutely destroyed crops. One farmer, it was said, lost 290 acres of corn. Now, folks, that's food you and I eat. A few weeks ago, two major storms bore down on the coast of Louisiana and Mississippi and caused a great deal of damage. God's trying to get our attention. You remember, many of you in this room this morning, you remember the Vietnam War. That was in the 60s. A sexual revolution was taking place. The 9-11 attacks in 2001 destroyed the places of power and wealth. Hurricane Katrina came along, and everybody thought, you know, it's just a regular little hurricane. It's not going to be much. Folks you getting, didn't get too alarmed. The Mardi Gras, the gay parade, was going to take place in New Orleans. Well, you know what Hurricane Katrina did. In 2008, the stock market crashed. In 2012, the worst drought in the history of many years. It's time. Folks, it's time that there's an awakening here in America. It's time that the church begins to wake up and realize what is taking place all around us because we're living in a society that says we are progressive, we are moving forward, we are the intellectual ones. We no longer call it killing babies. Now it's removing a product of conception. Homosexuality is now an alternative life. Adultery now is a midlife crisis or an affair. Laws denying religious speech are now called fairness doctrine. I grew up in the time when the old-time preachers used to preach against the, and you remember this, against playing cards and dancing and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And if you did it, you were wicked. Now, if you don't do those things, you're a social misfit. These things, these things have changed in the eyes of men, but folks, I don't believe they've changed in the eyes of God. God still looks at sin as being sin. Whatever it is, it is still sin. It's time to wake up. We are in election year. I appreciate what Brother Kevin was praying a moment ago. Now, I'm not a pushing for a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, none of that kind of stuff. I just don't believe either party has the answer. I don't. And as I listen to the people that are running for office, have you listened to these commercials they're doing? My soul, if they're as bad as each other claims they are, neither one of them's fit to serve. <laughs> My day. Think about what I just said. It's awful. And they expect us to vote for one or the other. So what are we going to do? What is the remedy? What is the remedy? In these darkening days, what is the remedy? Well, that's the introduction. Here's the message. In Psalms 85, verse 6, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice with you? You know, in times past, when things got rough in the Bible, God had a way of sending revival to his people. And that's my prayer today. I have been praying that God somehow would awaken our nation, awaken us, to what is taking place around us. I believe he can and I believe he will if God's people will just simply call on him. It's time for Christians to get on to praying and seeking God for revival.
a revival. And one thing that disturbed me this week, I picked up an article, and the writer of the article said, revival or revolution. And he went on to say, I don't believe that revival will come in America because I believe God has given up on us. I don't believe that. I believe God is capable of sending revival to America. I believe God is, is, is available and God's power is available and God is willing to send revival to our churches if we will just call on him. Just call on him. So what is a revival? A lot of folks ask that. We don't hear that much anymore. We don't have revivals like we used to. Back, <clears throat> back when I was started preaching, we'd have a two-week revival or a week revival and all that, you know. Down in Georgia, where I started my pastoring, you couldn't have revival if souls couldn't get saved except in the springtime or in the fall. That was it. <laughs> two revivals a year. But we had a good time. And folks came. And there was revival. You see, revival is a Christian word. Lost people are dead in their trespasses and sin. And they need to be born again. They need the new birth. They need to be coming to the Savior for salvation. The Christian family, the church, needs revival. We need an overflowing presence of God. Sometimes take your Bible and read in Acts chapter 8. You'll find there a revival. It was Philip. And Philip saw a true revival in Samaria. And there were five things about that revival it was born in a time of trouble it began by one individual it sort of blended the people together as they came together to pray it brought out the demons and it blessed everybody revival revival is the spirit of confession lord forgive us of our pride forgive us of our our unfaithfulness forgive us of our lack of burden isn't that a prayer that all of us could pray? God forgive us. God help us. Then revival. Maybe we can't pray that prayer because there's no burden. There's no burden. No concern. Indifference. We desperately need to get back to God. Revival is when we travail. You know, revival is, is painful. I mean, it's painful. It's, it's, it's like a, a woman giving birth to a child. And some of you women know what I'm talking about. I didn't know anything. I, I, I knew something about it until I got food poisoning. I wound up at the doctor's office and, man, I was hurting. I was cramping. I was hurting. And the doctor looked at me and smiled. I dared to smile, me and my pain. He said, preacher, that's what your wife went through giving birth to your babies. I said, well, praise the Lord, no wonder they want an epidural. Oh, man. <laughs> it was tough. Revival is painful. It's not easy for us to forsake our sin. It's not easy for us to, to forsake our flesh. It's not easy to live the revived life of victory. But it's there for us. Paul's prayer. In Romans chapter 9, verse 1 was, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Do we have a burden like that? Do you have a lost friend? Do you have a lost loved one? Is your mama lost? Your daddy lost? Your granddad? Whatever. Do you have anyone in your family that's lost or a friend or a neighbor? You got a burden for them? Have you ever taken the time just to simply give them the word? That's all you have to do. The Holy Spirit takes care after that. 
Just share the word with them. Let them know Jesus loves you and so do I. Come to Christ. There are millions of people like that. There are people all around us. Concord, Harrisburg, Charlotte, wherever you go, there are lost people. People that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never. Revival is the hungering for God. The psalmist had that in Psalm 63, verse 1, and Psalm 42, verse 1. Read those words sometime. David had a longing for God. He was panting like a deer. Panting. Do you want that? Do you want that more than you want the emptiness of the world? Do you want that more than the void that is in our lives because the Spirit of God is not really working like He wants to work in and through us? You're going to find it in the Lord. You're not going to find it in the world. King Solomon, the wisest man of all time, sat down and he penned some words for us. He tasted it all. He had the wine, he had the women, he had the wealth, he had all that good stuff that everybody thinks they have to have. But notice what he said. All is vanity. All, I've tried it all, he says, but all is vanity. It's nothing. Maybe you've tried it all. Maybe this morning you've come to this place and you yourself are feeling empty. Life has no meaning for you. And God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you. There's a twofold plan for revival. There's two things that are involved. Number one, revive me. You know, revival usually starts with one. One individual. I was reading just this morning about revivals of the past. Even in the Old Testament, New Testament all through that. And then you read about the awakenings that we've experienced. There have been awakenings in America back in the 1700s, the 1800s. And on and on it goes, but we haven't had one in many years now. And it begins with one. Revival begins with one person, and that person adds two persons. And before you know it, there's a group of people praying with a deep desire for God to work and send revival. Many of our younger generation in here this morning have never experienced a real revival. Never. I've only been in one or two in my whole ministry of these many years. I started in 1960. Let me relate one of them to you. I was invited to preach in a revival in a church. We started on a Monday night. It was to go through Sunday morning. I preached my heart out. The choir sang. Everybody was enjoying it. But nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. Every night, nothing. Nobody moved. Nobody. Nothing. Sunday morning. Closing time. And I preached. The invitation was given. We stood there and nothing was happening. And in the very back row, an old gray-haired man stood up and he was just crying, weeping like his heart was breaking. He came down to the front and he said to the pastor, can I have a word? Yes, go ahead. He started talking about how he had sinned against God, how he had held grudges against people in the church. You wouldn't believe what that old man said. Man, things started happening. Folks started crying, jumping up, forgiving one another. 
And I was standing there with one o'clock then. I slipped to the study, called my wife, and I said, something's going on, I'll be home after a while. It went to almost two or three o'clock in the afternoon. People just, it happened, God came down. Revival, revival. When we got through with that, the deacon, chairman of the deacon says, Pastor, I want you and the preacher to go to the study. And I thought, oh my, oh my. I thought, what's going on? Came back out. Chairman Deacon said, look at the pastor. His name was M.R. Simpson. He says, M.R., church voted a while ago. We're going to send you and your wife to the Holy Land. I thought, holy moly, that is a revival. <laughs> Just think of what can happen. One person. One person genuinely getting right with God and praying and admitting what's wrong. Take time. The second part, personally pray. Revive me. Revive us. Revive me. Let the Holy Spirit just come in and take control of your life. Let him take control. Psalm 119. Go through it sometimes. I looked at this the other day. Verse 25. Revive me according to your word. Verse 37. Revive me in your way. Verse 40, revive me in your righteousness. Verse 88, revive me in your loving kindness. Verse 149, revive me according to your justice. Verse 156, revive me according to your judgment. Revive me. Revive us. Folks, we need an awakening here in America. We need an awakening throughout our Southern Baptist Convention. We need an awakening in our churches of all denominations. We need an awakening. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. I heard a story one time about an old farmer. He had one of those grandfather clocks. We've got one at our home, and, and I can kind of understand what happened, but then the old man wound his clock up and went to bed. Long about midnight, the clock began to chime. Chime 12 times. 13 times, 14 times. It just kept on chiming. The old farmer jumped up out of bed, went running through the house, says, get up, get up, get up, get up. It's time to wake up. It's later now than it's ever been before. Get up, get up. <laughs> Folks, it's later than it's ever been before. Wake up. I wonder this morning, will you answer God's call to that? Will you this morning say, Lord, I'm going to be praying. You can pray wherever you are. You can pray at home. You can pray at work. You can pray on your way to work. You can pray at church. Wherever you are. You can just simply pray. Say, Lord, revive me. Lord, send revival. Lord, send revival. We need revival in our land. That we'll see Christians revived and awakened. Ever see lost sinners come to know Jesus? We need a revival. You see, those of us this morning who are believers must be salt and light, standing for the Word of God. And we need to be standing to refuse to give in to this pagan world in which we're living and go to those people and tell them, put your hope in your only hope, Son of God. He is the soon coming King of kings and the Lord of lords.
do that. You can do that. Maybe this morning you say, well, you know, preacher, I've never become a Christian. I've never said yes to Jesus. Well, this morning you can. All the way around up there, all throughout this building, I believe the folks over in the sanctuary, you can become a Christian. If you just say yes to him. Yes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity of being here today. Thank you for these wonderful people here at Pitt. I want to thank you personally for their prayers for my wife and myself as we ordain ministers. I want to thank you for this day that you've given to us. Lord, I want to truly pray that you will send the right. Help us to wake up before it's too late. Help us to know you and you alone. Father God, and it seems like everything is closing in. Seems like everything is falling apart. Just remind us that you're still there. And you will hear us when we call. That's our prayer. Help us today in Jesus' name. Brother Kevin's going to come and he's going to stand here at the front. God is speaking to your heart. You come. Maybe where you're seated, you can stand in a moment and you can say, I'm going to be praying. Come on, pray for a Bible. Let's stand and let's sing.